0: Welcome to the St. Joseph Radio Presents live program broadcasting to you from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri, the program that for over 30 years has brought you eloquent speakers from across the globe to help explain, clarify, and evangelize the Catholic faith. Our program covers a variety of topics relating to current issues and occurrences in our daily lives. Now, with the aid of technology, we are able to bring the gospel message to the four corners of the world. For Christ himself did say, those who have ears ought to hear. It is our hope at St. Joseph Radio that through these programs, we can help evangelize the world and change one soul at a time. Now, here is your host to introduce today's guest and topic.
1: Well, thank you, Matt. As Matt said, I am the host today. I'm Peter Karutz, and we're here with Joe Willis. Joe,
2: welcome. Thank you. Nice to meet you.
1: Good to meet you, and we are just meeting, so we're all going to get to know Joe all at the same time. And this is St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you not so live from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. So we usually do this program live. Today, we're not. So we we thought this is an important program, and we're going to just do it pre-recorded. So you can still call in and ask for some of our materials at 636-447-6000. Anything you can possibly think about, I think we have a video and an audio on. So think about that. But today's program uh, with Joe is going to be on service. So Joe, as we always say, we, uh, we start with a prayer. Uh, a, a good friend of the studio here of St. Joseph Evangelization Network is Father Augustine, and he says that the Benedictines dictate that no good work ever starts without prayer. So would you be so kind to start us out with a prayer?
2: I will. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, as we gather today, please guide us, help us to ensure that all the works we do and all of our efforts to serve others are fruitful. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Father, Son,
1: and the Holy, Son Holy, Spirit. Holy Spirit. Amen. Joe, thanks for coming. First off, let me tell our listeners that Joe was recently nominated for the Catholic Man of the Year from your parish, which is Immaculate Heart, right? That is
2: correct, yes. Yeah.
1: Immaculate Heart is in New Melly, So you know you pack a bag, go out to New Melly, and and, and and visit. It's a wonderful parish. I, I've met your pastor a number of times. Father Tom, I forget what his last name is, but I know he, yes. Father Tom, who has a dog. Uh, it, what a great man! Exactly, yeah. Father Tom Miller. Yes, wonderful man. Yeah, he he really is. He really is. So tell me, how were you a, a
2: surprised that you got nominated? Did you object? Were you a were you a pain like most of the nominees? Well, I didn't object. I was shocked, uh, humbled, and grateful. It wasn't something I expected. Um, so yeah, I was, I was very surprised, but I didn't reject. It was just a, a humbling feeling to be nominated. Good for you. Good for you. Hey, you know, this is an opportunity. Think of a good
1: man who might need to, who should be nominated for a Catholic Man of the Year. Why? Because we need good examples. We need good examples. So tell me, let's start way in the beginning. Uh, have you, are you a cradle Catholic? Are you a convert? Uh, are you a fallen away Catholic who came back? Where,
2: where, where, where do you stand? I'm a convert, was lost, oh. lost in the dark for 53 years, so I was called to God. And my wife and I were baptized April 15, 2006 at St. Jerome in Troy, Illinois, by Monsignor Virgil Bank. Wow, wow. So what was your faith tradition before? And what year was that, 19? 19... That was uh, 2006. 2006. Man, you're a baby
1: Catholic. I am a baby Catholic. What, so what, what was your faith tradition before?
2: Uh, as a child, I was Presbyterian. My wife was Baptist, and then as, uh, as life went on, we just grew away from our faith, didn't, uh, didn't know where we belonged, and just kind of drifted aimlessly uh, through life, helping others everywhere we could, not realizing who was guiding us, and and I felt a calling. I always felt called to be Catholic. My friends were Catholic. Did you really? Yeah. A lot of my parents' friends were Catholic. I did not recognize that to be a calling from God uh, immediately. Obviously, it took me a while to catch on. Uh, and then one day I came home and said, I think I'm going to go down to this little church called St. Jerome." and go through something called RCIA, and my wife said, well, well, go ahead. (laughs) What a good thing, and St. Jerome sure did do a good job getting St. Augustine
1: into the church. I guess he did a good job getting you as well. So you came and told your wife you think you want to be Catholic, and she said? Well, go ahead.
2: Yeah, but what what, what about her? That's exactly right. I said, well, I was kind of hoping you were going to come with me. Yeah. And she said, well, I won't make any promises, but I will. Uh, And we went through about nine months in RCIA. I loved every moment of it. it was, it was a, such a learning experience, and that's when I started to develop the true love for Catholicism and realized that it was actually a calling all along And as I look backward. Uh, I went to a, a leadership retreat with St. Vincent de Paul about uh, four years ago, yeah. and there's a sister named Sister Kiernan who's a 65-year Vincentian. Wow. She said something that struck me really profoundly. She said, you know, we live our lives going forward, but we understand them looking backward. And that was very profound for me as a convert because when I do look backward, I realize all the way through every step, it was God all along guiding me and calling me.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny you, you hear this a lot. I hear it a lot. I feel it a lot too. You know, you you, you hear the guy, who not that you were living a des, des- uh, a, a desperate life here, but right. uh, but you hear you know people were saying I, I was not living a good life. I was kind of floundering around, not knowing where I'm going, what I'm doing, and I decided, well, I'll take that first step, and I'll. I'll, I'll I'll pray. I'll ask God for guidance. I'll ask him to show me a sign. And the next thing, you know, I I stumbled into a yeah. church and the next thing you know, I'm a Catholic and now I'm an evangelist, and, on and, on. and then you realize God has been with me all along. Exactly. He was helping me take that first step. I just had to say yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So, as you came into the church and I'll 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 touch on this maybe just one once more. I, my favorite minister for a long time was a Presbyterian, so I know where he would have some trouble with Catholicism. Yeah. So you, you came to the realization that you, you think you want to join the Church. Right. Were there any difficulties for you in terms of from a belief, doctrine standpoint that, that you say, you know what, I want to be in the Church, but I got to still work on items A two, A, B, and C?
2: Uh, truly not, because we'd left the faith so young. I mean, I was just a child, and, and then when I, I didn't really... Uh, practice our faith. So, uh, my Presbyterian okay. faith was as a small child. I got it. So, I was just doing a lot of good things in life, but I didn't realize God was guiding me. But I had that calling. Uh, our son ended up marrying into a Catholic family. Uh-huh. Uh, he wanted me to go through RCI with him the year before, but I was busy with another organization I was leading in. And then I said, Well, I'll do it next year, I promise. Well, next year when we did it, God again at work, our son was our sponsor. Always oh, that
1: right. So, Isn't that so fantastic?
2: It, it is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And it
1: sounds like one of the first things you did is got involved with uh, St. Vincent de Paul.
2: It is over here. Yeah. At the church in St. Jerome Montroyal, and I got very active as a lector in other ministries. And then when I and I was active in the Knights of Columbus, so I was a past Grand Knight, past faithful navigator, went on to be a district deputy for four years. Oh, so I wow. came over here, retired as a district deputy in two thousand sixteen, and as another God story, as I was going to daily mass, now retired, I was able to go to daily mass in our little chapel. And I kept hearing St. Vincent de Paul, the pantry and the good works they did. And I thought, well, this might be another way for me to volunteer. And I asked one of our parishioners, I said, where would I go about to, to somehow help with this St. Vincent de Paul pantry? And they said, well, where did you hear about it? And I said, well, I, I hear about it occasionally at daily mass in the chapel. Right. And that person, I remember saying, well, that could have been a calling. I said, you think it was a calling? She Ew. said, possibly because you're praying over the pantry. It's, it's in the basement oh, of the is chapel. That's right, I think so. So I went on to start sacking groceries and become the president. I'm in my fourth of a six year term. Is that years. right? I think, wasn't Steve Rudd? Uh, Steve Rupp is very, Rupp. very. Steve Rupp. Active.
1: Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Very. He said something, and I, I hate to put you on the spot, but he, he, told, he told me, and I'm, I'm having trouble remembering the, the goal or the reason to be in the, um, in uh, to be of Incension. Mm-hmm. It
2: isn't to serve the poor, it's. To bring the face of christ to the poor there you go exactly we want to be the face of christ for them and hopefully see the face of christ in them as we serve the others yeah yeah,
1: yeah. it's amazing 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 what the, the vincentians do there's a, sometimes a, a bit of a criticism about the vincentians that you're just a band-aid but you know what sometimes i think we need a band-aid just to start out uh, a, a good buddy of mine tony kester was involved in the Saint uh, Vincent de Paul Society. He he met a man who was living in the street, um, couldn't walk, uh, and uh, figured out what was his issue. He he had been shot in the face, and he didn't have teeth, and part yeah. of his mouth was gone. And the reason he couldn't walk is he had a broken broken hip. And and through the Vincentians and people who helped. Dentists volunteered their time. Doctors found volunteered their time. He found a way to have, uh, get him a place to live. You know what? In a year's time, this man was living on his own. He had teeth in his mouth. He could walk again, and and uh, and 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 it was just God's mercy. And I, and I'll say this: it did him a lot of good. The Vincentians oh, did sure. him a lot of good, no doubt.
2: I think it did my buddy more good than it did him. Absolutely, that's so true. There's so much more in what we receive and what we give, I mean, most everything I've done is as of ascension. I realize I'm really the one that benefits the most. And sometimes all the neighbor need wants is somebody to listen, somebody to yeah. care. And from there, those kind of conversation examples you talked about, uh, go on to service to others. And it's life changing for some of those people and it's life changing for us too, to be able to help others. Yeah,
1: no yeah. doubt. You know, I know my, uh, pastor many, many years ago, he's passed away now. He, um, put a big poster up in our in the vestibule and and suggested we would during this period of time i don't remember if it was Lent or advent to exercise the corporal works of mercy right mm-hmm. to to visit the sick to bury the dead I guess visit a cemetery to give um, uh, drink to the thirsty etc mm-hmm. and and uh, house the the poor it was a it was great just to keep that in mind and, and try and, uh, I hate to say, tick them off the list, but you know I probably wouldn't have done some of those things that I did if it weren't for this, um, my pastors exhorting us to do it. And that's what St. Right. Vincent de Paul does every single day of the week.
2: Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it leads us to others. And there's always somebody that's in need of service, no matter no matter where, where they are in their life. It can be various things that brought them to that need, uh, and they depend upon us. But our mission is to bring the face of Christ to them so they realize... Oftentimes they're they're overwhelmed that finally somebody actually cares about me. Yeah, and that that alone is a life changing. Looked at them, talked at them, didn't
1: turn away from exactly. them, didn't cross the street, but it, uh, engaged them as a as a person. Exactly. Yeah. Good. Good. So tell me, uh, you came into the church in two thousand six, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Um, and w- what did you find? What did I mean? I guess you went through nine months of RCIA where you didn't. To communion, you just kind of left the church to do your study, or you, you sat there. Uh, I, um, uh, tell me what that first year was like being in the church.
2: Well, for me, it was a wonderful experience. I mean, what we did is we would come to Mass, and then uh, before they would get started right after the readings, we would go then and meet with our catechist. Right. And they had a different catechist every week. So ah. I had six different catechists, so I got their perspective. Uh, for me, I was like a ch- almost like a child as a, or a sponge. I just couldn't get enough Catholicism. I started to buy and get a hold of everything I could find about the church and started to study and and get in as deep as I could and the more I found, the more I loved it and the more I realized what I'd been missing out on and then realizing how patient and loving God is to have someone that's so slow to catch on. <laughs> well, and he just kept leading me from one good place to the next. And you had
1: someone built into your home, your wife, who you were walking through that path together still
2: with. still do, yes. Yeah, she's been at my side every step of the way, including this work as of ascension. So, wow. yeah, it's, it's wonderful. How,
1: how long have you two been married?
2: It will be 50 years, September 23rd. Oh, wow. Two children, five grandchildren. Thank wow. you.
1: congratulations. Yes. yes.
2: High school sweethearts. There aren't many of us left. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Oh, that's great.
2: Yeah. yeah. Any marital advice? Uh, yes, dear. Those two famous words. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's the most important two words you can say to have a long, long marriage. Yeah.
1: My, my youngest daughter at my oldest daughter's wedding told uh, the, the new husband, He says, she said, remember the three most important words in marriage. She said, you are right. <laughs> <laughs> that is, yeah, that's true. Kind of the corollary with yes, dear. Yes. Yeah. But tell me what else is going on in your life here at uh, at either Immaculate Heart or uh, at um, in, in your new life as a Catholic.
2: Well, I, when I came over here to uh, Immaculate Heart and Mary, again, Father Tom was so wonderful. We found the parish to be so welcoming. So I immediately I signed up as a lector. It was one of the first things I did after baptism. Uh, because I had a lot of experience with speaking and public speaking and whatnot. And that was through a uh, talk given by Monsignor Mac about stewardship and how we all have gifts from God. And the reason he gives us the gifts is to share them. And that's when I started to be a lector and from there got busy. When I come over here, the first thing I did was sign up to be a lector. Uh, Father Tom then asked me if I could serve in other ministries. So uh, we have an information station at our church where we, we stand with volunteers after Mass. Oh, uh, and that way, if they have questions, concerns, want to register, become part of the IHM family. So I coordinate the volunteers for that.
1: Oh, uh, well, that's
2: that's a brilliant that's idea. A bri- yeah. I'm going to steal that idea today. I believe we, we <laughs> borrowed it. I don't recall Sean can tell you from where, but it was yeah, it was a borrowed idea by us. It's working well.
1: Well, we'll uh, we'll give you proper credit, but yeah. I'm stealing that. But you said you were in public speaking. What what did you do?
2: Well, for years I was very active in the Benevolent and Protective Order of Elks before I was Catholic, in a leadership role there, did all the things I did in the nights there. And, and we used to have uh, uh, competitions for rituals. So when we did initiations, we did them in a tuxedo, and you were graded oh. by certified judges. You had to perform, be in front of a camera. Oh, wow. Uh, and people always said, you know, you really ought to be in radio. And I said, I really wish I was in radio. <laughs> well, you are <laughs> I now. I am. I am. And then for that led me to uh, another ministry I told Lou. I was actually uh, proud for about three years in Illinois, There's a radio show called Mind's Eye Radio, Lady of Our Snows Shrine in Belleville, and you can read to the blind. Oh, really? So I was given the opportunity to do that, uh, read about three years, and what was funny was they asked me, do you want to do your own show? I had no idea about radio yet, and they said, it'd be a little thing, 30 minutes, I'll give you all the resources you need, and I said, what's the show about? And I lived in Illinois still at that time. She said, it's going to be about life in Missouri. Cool. So I started researching Missouri and doing all these 30-minute shows about life in Missouri, and ended up becoming a Missouri resident. So, Look at that. So, yeah, so I just, I loved doing that. That led me to a career in, in business. My wife got ill in about 1997 or 98, oh. and I left the steel industry and found a career in the insurance business.
1: Well, I need to know more about that. But uh, this is St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you not so live from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. And I'm your host, Peter Kritz. We're here, again, not so live with Joe Willis, and uh, I, you said steel, I, I do a lot of, I've done, in my early career, I did a lot of work in steel, I worked at LTV, I oh. worked at uh, a, a couple of places uh, across the river, and, uh, and, and, and now I work a good bit with commercial insurance companies, including yeah. Lloyd's of London, et cetera. So what did you do in steel and insurance? I mean...
2: Well, it seems the, we're parallel. I'm following you. In the steel industry, I was a heavy equipment operator, oddly uh. enough. And then when my wife got the staph infection, I went on to a website looking for products that I didn't have. Yeah. And there was a little link about career opportunity. I clicked on that and I ended up becoming a licensed insurance agent in Illinois, in Missouri. Uh, and there I did employee benefits. So I would oh, meet yeah. with the employer and, and see if they'd like for me to help their employees from there. I would have to do presentations, more public speaking. And oh, sure. God was there every step of the way, just leading me from one one place to the next. Oh, I bet. I imagine your wife has recovered. She has. Oh, yeah. good. Not well. F- she has recovered. Her leg will never be the same. It, oh, it, it wow. kinda, When you know when FFX, when it gets into your knee, yeah, uh, it's very troublesome. No oh, boy. But she's yes, yeah, she's way, well. It could way, way, kill you. Way. Yes, it could. Very yeah. dangerous. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you, you're. Uh... Uh, you you've done your public speaking you were involved in the elks and then when you became a catholic you kind of translated it right into right into the to the church
2: thinking it was my own doing and i, I had nothing to do with it it was god leading me every step of the way exactly that,
1: that's usually what happens exactly yeah so tell me as a as a newer catholic i i'll, I'll just contrast compare and contrast my my wife and i were we're both catholic lifelong catholics uh, cradle to grave as i say but we're very different right and I was more traditional in terms of the rote prayers, if you will. My wife was more of a free speaking type of a prayer person. How, how did your how did your prayer life change, or how did you bring in your old prayer life to your new prayer life here as a Catholic?
2: Well, actually, again, because I drifted away from the from the church altogether, the Presbyterian Church as well. I, I just developed my own as I went through yeah. our and learned more. I started to develop prayers. Uh, and then reach it out. Use a lot of different leaks. We have formed over here. I can get on formed. There's a, a a host of things. Anyone that really wants to pray can learn from. So I Isn't that I just you know, I just started doing research and developing a prayer life. Uh, we have adoration over here. Do I got, you do adoration? I did it for a while, and I yeah. had I had a job opportunity that didn't pan out. So yeah. I'm, now I'm a sub, but I love the hour
1: that
0: yeah. I was
2: spending there in adoration. Tell, yes. tell folks a little bit about that. You know, I, I often
1: say, you know, describing adoration is like talking to someone about what a good steak dinner is to someone who's never had steak. So I've always done such a poor job, but tell us a little bit about adoration.
2: Well, here at a Mac Heart and Mary, they've been doing this, and uh, Sean can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's since 1995. They've had adoration 24 hours a day. Monday through Friday until noon at Friday. They've been doing that, I believe, since 1995, I believe. Wow. Which is an amazing and inspiring in itself.
1: Yeah. Talk about praying constantly. A
2: constant prayer, 24 hours a day. So I had an opportunity to get into the 9 to 10 hour. Uh, and, and I mean, I, I, I can't say what, that, what that's like to be alone in that little chapel with that blessed sacrament, knowing that I'm sitting there with Jesus and just to be quiet and listen. Uh, it's It's the most peaceful and enjoyable hour I think you could ever spend to be able to do that every day, so uh, I hope someday to get another hour back, but i'm subbing now, but it is uh, something I think every Catholic, if they can should take an opportunity to partake yeah. and
1: in. and we need we need the subs uh, uh, i I had uh the one o'clock hour on Sundays for twenty two years and and then also uh, and, and I've drifted away from that I get to pick up another hour I'm in transition right now, but there's a uh, four buddies and I we we decided to take a tough hour. We we took 3 a.m. on Thursday, so <laughs> yes. four of us alternate. And talk about being alone with our Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you wake up at 2.30 in the morning, get, I, I, get yourself together, get to church. Nobody around. The streets are as quiet as can be. Mm-hmm. You go into the chapel and you sit in silence. It's a different sort of silence in the of the night mm-hmm. and... Uh, you know, it's it's just you and God, and I have a, a, I have a trouble I have a little bit of trouble with silence, if you will, because I'm always talking. You know, mm-hmm. I'm always you know telling God what I want and how I how he should do it and when he should do it and make sure he's on my timeline. But when you're in adoration, you're you're just in awe and silence
2: mm-hmm. in the presence of God, and it, it makes exactly. a
1: huge, huge, huge difference.
2: Oh, it does. It's it's just it's so peaceful. Yeah, but if you're quiet and listen, God will talk to you. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, yeah and if you're talking too much, it's hard to hear him. Exactly right. Yeah. So your son became a Catholic yeah. before you became a Catholic, yes. which seems very interesting. Yeah. So your your son and and just for clarity, your son married a Catholic. There's no obligation, stipulation, requirement that you have to become Catholic if you're marrying a Catholic. So just get that out of the way. But it. My impression is that your son wanted to. There was some pull that he had, especially. I say that because he he was automatically, very quickly inviting you.
2: Exactly. How how did that go? Well, for years, I I had actually had told my family that I wanted to be Catholic. I, <gasps> I mean, I openly I openly could feel. I just didn't know it was a calling. Right. And then when when Joy did, it, I call him Joy, even though he's six foot six and yeah. much bigger than Dad. But he said, you know I, know, I know you wanted to be Catholic, and that's when he invited me for the RCA. I said, at that time, I can't do it because of what I'm doing with the Elks. And I did it next year, which, which was a blessing. But I think he felt called through that because he constantly was hearing me say, I know you want to be Catholic, and he it's changed his life. He loves being Catholic, and he's a father of three, so married oh, wow. married into a family of seven Catholics. Oh, wow. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's, 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 a, it's a different sort of life, if you will. Um, you know, I, I have lots of good... Protestant friends, I really do oh, yeah. lots of good pro- Protestant friends, but I, I, sometimes tell them about us crazy Catholics mm-hmm. and what we do. You know, they they will have their, they may have a Wednesday night service, uh, they may have a Bible study. You know, and they, they go on Sunday, and uh, I tell them, yeah, we, we have uh, we have Mass every morning, huh? Yes, every morning. Well, he says every day. I say, well, at least usually twice twice a day, right? And people go every day. Yeah, some people go. Every day, mm-hmm. you know, and and, and it it's uh, and these are good and faithful people, but it's it's uh, it's incredibly different.
2: Oh, absolutely! I think they do, uh, and I love all my Protestant friends. Me They're too. still our friends. I've had no problem when I made the transition. I'm glad, um, but some of them do look at me like I'm crazy, and they've gotten adjusted to the fact that you go to mass every day. I said every day. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so what has helped you grow in your faith? Uh, uh, clearly, going to mass is a big part of it. Well, I think understanding more about Catholicism, I mean, I had a, a cousin of my wife's ask one time. She was a, still is a longtime Baptist. She says, "Well, so what would make you become Catholic?" And I said, "Well, after allowing myself to be in the faith long enough to study and learn more about it, I believe it to be the truth. And the more I study it, and the more I learn about it, and and the more I go to mass, the more I realize that it's God in complete control of everything that I have. And knowing that, and praying." It helps me to discern and go through everything I do in life. So it's just a, it's just knowing I'm being guided by God, willing to say yes and see where He takes me, and it's a, it's a amazing ride if you just say yes.
1: Yeah, no, no doubt. Yeah. You know, I, I talked to some of my friends, and I, I said, "Well, you're whatever you are—you're Baptist or Presbyterian or whatever it is—and I and I say I, that's important to you, and I'm sure that you're doing that because you think this is the best, fullest way to." to get to know God and to worship him. And I say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and and if there were a better way, you would probably do it. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but then people at least in the Protestant community, sometimes it can be difficult. You know, you you know a presbyterian might become a methodist might become a baptist and there's no big deal, but in in some in some circles it, it can divide families almost. Yes. It could uh, cause people to end friendships. So good mm-hmm. for you that you, they've carried on and continued, and, and uh, you're a good example.
2: Yeah, we had no repercussions from any of our friends. I don't think some of them may have understood at the beginning. Maybe they still don't, uh, but they know that it's changed our lives. It's something we love, and, and they've accepted it, and I pray a lot of those folks will follow us one day. Yeah. Uh, it's just been amazing. To become Catholic is, is definitely life-changing. My I I can vividly remember that baptism. Tell me. Uh, I actually, uh, I don't know quite how to describe it. It was like the holy water of Monsignor poured over me was in me, not being poured over me. And And it was. And and it was. And then I realized that immediately. Uh, In fact, the director of religion there said, I wish I would have turned you around to face the congregation to see your face, because they said that was absolutely, it was obvious that you, what was happening. I knew from that instant I'm, I get chills now thinking about it that there's no turning back. Yeah. There is no turning back. This is Jesus coming into my life, taking me on, and, and yeah, it's changed my life forever.
1: It's one and one and done. Exactly. One and done. Yeah, you know, and well, none of us. Well, I mean, but those of us who were baptized as infants, we don't remember our baptism, exactly. but. You know, people who were baptized as adults—they do. You know, oh, yes. you do. You know, it. As as a Catholic, we we talk about the sacraments of having an outward sign, right? But it's an outward sign that is actually uh, uh, a demonstration of the inward reality, right? Mm-hmm. But and and as an adult, you were able to perceive that inward reality. Exactly. Yeah, it wasn't just water. It was just water, but it was
2: uh, the Holy Spirit being poured into. Oh, unquestionably. I mean, I. I honestly felt the warmth, not from the water being poured over me, but what, what God was, what was doing right there. That yeah. baptism happened. Yeah.
1: Well, there's that music. That means that that's our opportunity to take a two-minute break and your opportunity to go out and tell uh, a friend about this program. Think about it. Do you have any friends who are contemplating becoming Catholic or perhaps uh, are adamantly against becoming Catholic? Or, or maybe just, as Joe said, They think you Catholics are just playing out of your cotton-picking trees. Uh, This might be a good program to come and listen to. So take this opportunity. Go out. We have two minutes. Go invite them. Tell them to come and listen to this program. And we'll be back in two minutes. You do your job. We'll do our job. We'll see you in two minutes.
0: This is Matt Loggeman with St. Joseph Radio with a great gift idea, a St. Benedict bracelet, a trendy accessory for men, women, and children that not only looks good on everyone's wrist, but is actually armor for the spiritual battlefield. This unique bracelet is handmade in Europe and contains 10 medals within the braided cord in the adult size and 7 medals in the children's size. On the front of each beautiful medal is St. Benedict holding a cross in his right hand, the object of his devotion. On the back of each medal is a cross. Surrounding the back of the medal and cross are the letters VR S N M-V-S-M-Q-L-I-V-B in Latin reference which translates Be gone, Satan. Never tempt me with your vanities. What you offer me is evil. Drink the poison yourself. And finally located at the top is the word Pax, which means peace. All bracelets come packaged with an informational card and the St. Benedict Blessing which your local priest can administer. This gift is for everyone you love and care about, including yourself. Available from St. Joseph Radio, check the website at (laughs) www.saintjosephradio.net Oh
3: Including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen No Kemper, Rick Hollerick, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, go to SJEN.tv or on Roku S-J-E-N-TV. All this programming is free and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at SJEN.tv <laughs>
1: And we're back. I'm your host, Peter Karutz. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live, not live, I almost said it, not live from St. Louis, Missouri, and we're with Joe Willis here in studio. We're live. You guys are hearing the the rebroadcast, if you will. Uh, Hey, by the way, just to carry on with that announcement you just heard, our phone number here is 636-447-6000, 636-447-6000. You know, think about where you would like to move in terms of faith. Is there something, a topic that you, interests you or that you are confused about? You want to know more. The Mass, for example. Is it, we have almost anything you can possibly think of. Father Monsignor Midas actually put together a great series on the Mass there, there, uh, and on the sacraments, actually. We have another uh, uh, man who was a uh, convert to Catholicism as well, uh, and he put together a three-part series on how to do door-to-door evangelization. Yeah. I mean, we have almost anything you could possibly think of. And, and of course, we're on uh, Roku and SJN.TV, YouTube. Actually, we're actually videotaping this, so it'll be on uh, those platforms as well. So please join us in that re- respect as well. Now, we're not live, but you can still call us anytime, 636-447-6000. Joe, the name of this program is service, right? And it sounds like you've had a life of service, but tell us a little bit more about where service can,
2: can, um, can help us or change us. Well, Peter, I think for everyone, all my brothers and sisters in Christ, not, not necessarily just Catholics, there were times in my life when, I, when God was calling me and I was apprehensive. Sometimes we as humans think I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough. Uh, I won't be able to do the task at hand and what I have learned in the 16 short years I've been Catholic God doesn't call us the quali- he doesn't call the qualified he qualifies those he calls no kidding and that is so true oh, so yeah. I would just urge everyone if you feel that little voice in your head calling you most likely I tell people that's God if you hear a voice telling you you can't do something I can promise you that's not God whispering in your ear that's right that's yes. right and so often we
1: feel that tug that tap on the shoulder we hear that voice but god respects us you know if we, he he'll respect our no he's hoping for our yes exactly. but if we say no he's going to say no but i don't you know i'll say this i don't think i've ever been disappointed when i said yes
2: i agree totally
1: i'm always upset and
2: disappointed when i say no exactly yeah yeah when we look back it's so true when you look back on one of the no's you've gave god uh, you usually you regret that and think, what did I miss out on? Why, why did I say no when it, when God has total control? Yeah. So I have learned just to say yes if it's at all humanly possible uh, and let, let God do the rest. I often jokingly tell people I'm going to be okay if I just stay out of his way. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Tell me more about your service. Well, I, I just try to look at it any way I can to help people. I want to try to make every person's day brighter. When we go to Mass, uh, we go 45 minutes early, whatever Mass we attend, and we open the doors of the worship center. Oh. So people now jokingly think if we, if we switch from Saturday to Sunday, they ask where we were on the other day. <laughs> uh, but it's just a way to brighten their day. You can tell when people come in. Some have had a good day. Some may have not had a good day. But by greeting them, opening that door for them, wishing them well, uh, that's life-changing too, so... Any way that I can, and Debbie's the same way, make someone feel better or serve them, we're really the benefactor there. It, it, it's just there's not hardly a greater joy than being of service to someone else and helping their life become better.
1: And you never yeah. know the kind word and that will and how well received it'll be. I remember yeah. when my children were young, some of the time I was just running from point A to point exactly. B and hoping I could transfer them from one <laughs> yeah. parent to the other. But I, I, I remember I was at a um, uh, you know a, a a coffee shop, just sitting, quite frankly, trying to get an hour of work in while I had to go and pick up a child or drop off a child. And, and I wasn't eavesdropping because it would be impossible not to. There were two ladies having coffee, and another one came over, and they went to some non denominational church. And the one lady standing up, walking across, you know, kind of in, in, invading the space, if you will, of those other two. They used to go to the same church, parish, or community, whatever. And then she was mad. And she was angry at them. And she was saying, nobody reached out to me. I needed whatever she needed. I don't even know what it was. But no one reached out to me. And it, it, every time I think about that, it reminds me, especially what you said reminded me, one of the things we need to do as a church is welcome people. Right. You know, we don't know what was motivating them to go to Mass that particular day. We don't know what they were coming from or going to. That kind word can make all the difference in someone's life.
2: Totally different. Uh, I sign off on my emails, personal emails as a Vincentian, that let's try to be a rainbow in someone's cloud. Yeah. I mean, we, we have no idea what their need may be, and that little pleasantry we offer could be more important to, the, to you ever could imagine to that person. Yeah. Uh, and it's just knowing that you've tried to do your best to make them feel better. Uh, it, it, it Visibly, you can tell when it makes a difference. And I've actually seen people that will come in troubled, and after you've offered that pleasantry, the their smile comes and they, they realize somebody cared. As you said, somebody took the time to, to yeah. offer, offer me a good afternoon, open the door for me.
1: Right. That, that, yeah. been, that might be the first time they've been to Mass in weeks or years, Could be. right? That might be the last time they were intended to, to go to Mass. You you just don't, you just don't know. But a, a, as you said, if you feel a little prompting of the Holy Spirit, just say yes. Just go and do it.
2: Exactly. Yeah. It's a wonder. It's a wonderful—I've never been uh, disappointed yet. Every little step, every little endeavor God leads me to, it always turns out to be uh, amazing when I look back like Sister Kieran said. I look backwards, and it all starts to make sense. It sure does. I realize it was never me in control to begin with. It was always God, yes.
1: Our former archbishop, I guess, uh, Carlson uh, Archbishop Emeritus Carlson, he came to our parish, he gave a little homily, and he gave us uh, five things to do. I don't remember all the five, but one of the things was uh, read read five minutes of scripture every day. It'll change your life. Um, the second thing he said is welcome somebody at mass who you don't know. And I thought, oh, that's good. I do that already. You know, so exactly. I got I don't have another thing on the list. But that's one of the things I try and do. Mm-hmm. I try and 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 I, I what I say is. It was nice sharing Mass, or it was good to share Mass with you today. And what I try and do is I try and say that to somebody. I'm not an usher. I'm not a, a greeter, uh, minister of hospitality. But I, I, I try and say that to somebody who I don't know, mm-hmm. right? And um, I don't know what good that does, but I think it doesn't matter whether I know what good that does. I agree. Yeah,
2: Yeah, because it could be a, it could make a big difference in the person you said it to
1: yeah my my daughter and I were uh, uh going to go on a trip, and so we went to a different church at a different time. you know how it is. I mean I, 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 I don't know everybody in my parish, I think, because you know if they don't go to 12:15 mass, mm-hmm. I don't know. But so we went to this uh, uh, Saturday afternoon mass. And um, obviously, I don't know anybody, right? So my daughter turns to me, she was in high school at the time, and she says, "Dad, don't do it." it's embarrassing and it's creepy I said what do you mean you know what I mean you know because I do this all the time right so as we're uh, as the song ends we're about to leave I turn around and I talk to the lady behind me a little old lady and I said it was nice sharing mass with you and she looked at me what I said it was nice sharing mass with you today and she said oh okay well, my daughter was just on me like white on rice. She says, I told you not to do that. I told you you're embarrassing. You're just, you're creepy. You know, why do you have to do stuff like this and embarrass me constantly? As she's railing me, we're walking out and somebody tugs on my jacket. And it was that lady. So I turn around and she said, thanks, thanks for saying that. I said, well, well of course. She says, today would have been my 50th wedding anniversary. And I lost my husband just a few months ago, and it really meant a lot to me. Exactly. You know, we don't know right. why we're here, but we do know that God has us where we are at this particular moment for some greater plan. Absolutely. For some greater plan.
2: I agree. And when we have those notions like you did to say those things, just say them. As you said, don't worry about it. Just say it, because probably God's put the thought on your head anyway. Yeah. And for that reason, maybe so that woman who'd lost her husband could feel that, that warmth. Yeah,
1: yeah. And that's a little service, mm-hmm. right? It's a little bit of a service. Yeah. It's a little bit of a spreading the word. The Vincentians are a big service. How does somebody become, uh, and I'm calling you a Vincentian like you're in this private club, how does somebody get involved in St. Vincent de Paul?
2: Well, it's easy to volunteer. We have two types of memberships. There's associate members and active members, associate members. That's how we usually start out. We start out with that V as a volunteer, and then we quickly learn that V actually stands for vocation. Ah. So you start out like I did to get some groceries and help at the pantry, but we usually let God do what God does. I always tell our members we don't want to pressure anyone. We want to invite them, let them enter at their comfort level. And usually God will do the rest. And then they literally just start coming to meetings if they'd like to and learn more. There's trainings that are offered to our council. Steve Rupp and our staff there in St. Louis does an amazing job. Yeah, he does. So there's a lot of different ways to get involved. But usually God will take you from the volunteer status to the vocation status. And then you start to realize everything I'm doing is a calling from from Jesus himself to serve the other people. What is that next step? Well, the next step for us, we we, we monitor our phones 24-7, so really? we're, we're always busy. I had two calls today, so when you, get, wow. when you get very involved, there are people that have needs. We never know when. We never know where they are in their life. For them, it's a crisis, and they reach out to us through our call center, uh, and then we try to help, would it be food finances? So we help in various ways. It's not just food pantries. Some have pantries, some don't, uh, but we do utility assistance, mortgage rent, uh, car repair. There's a lot of different ways we can help people that have found themselves stuck in a crisis, which is usually temporary, but for them it's it's a major crisis.
1: Yeah, this temporary doesn't become temporary unless you get some help to get over it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my uh, men's group used to, we we call it doing a field trip. We used to go to St. Anselm's to Latin Mass, uh, traditional Mass, on first Saturday. And uh, it was in a little, little oratory, a little chapel over at St. Anselm's. They're not there anymore. They're over at St. Luke's now. Mm-hmm. But um, on the side room over there, there was always a meeting every single Saturday morning with the St. Vincent de Paul Society. No exaggeration. Big room, 20, 20 25 people there. And I, I didn't participate in any meeting, but I heard, heard a little bit as I'm going into Mass. I heard a little bit as I'm going out, so clearly more than an hour mm-hmm. Mass. And what they're doing is just going around the table talking about who they're going to visit, what they're going to do, who, who, you know, what, uh, how, how somebody needs help. And then, boom, I guess they're all out doing something. So this is a, a real active uh, group. And it, I, I imagine you all have
2: a little bit of camaraderie
1: that you, oh, you do. gain as well.
2: Yes. One of the main things we do is we help each other grow spiritually. So that's yeah. one of our main goals is to help each other grow spiritually. So our meetings, all of our meeting is a prayer. I mean, from the time we open the prayer until the time we have a closing prayer, that whole meeting and all discussion is a prayer. Uh, You mentioned home visits. That's one of the most important things we can do. We are probably one of the few organizations, service organizations that go into their homes. Mm -hmm. Uh, We go to where they are. We meet them where they're at. They don't have to come to us. We go to their homes, sit in their kitchen, wherever that may be, and, and listen, and then see how we can help them. How can we make their life better? What is it that brought them to that point in time in life where they are now and how can we make it better our conference alone we have two wonderful gentlemen who do free budget assistance so we're able to help people that have not ever learned how to have a budget yeah uh, and there's there's various ways we can help those people but a lot of times it starts uh, thankfully now that we're uh, better able to serve after the pandemic for a while it was all by phones we that's another thing i was proud to say i told people at a pulpit announcement when a lot of organizations and businesses shut down during the pandemic, you can count on St. Vincent de Paul. We never shut down. We never stopped serving. We That's right.
1: Good for you guys. Found
2: another way to do it.
1: Yeah, so, yeah. good for you guys. Yeah, I, I'm in the Knights of Peter Claver, and in the middle of pandemic, we started a new charitable endeavor, and we call it Sock Angel. Uh, uh, the uh, My wife and I discovered that the homeless shelters had no socks, mm-hmm. and so we, we did it. We in the, In the middle of pandemic, churches are closed. We did it anyway. We We gathered up 14,000 pairs of socks, and it still wasn't enough. But, you know, let me just come to the service area from a different perspective. Uh, We grew up, my brother and I, we grew up exceptionally poor. And I'm telling you, nobody visits your house when you're in those circumstances. And any kind of a visit is, uh, I can't tell you how appreciated Appreciated it is. You know, we 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 had an old car uh, at one point in time, and um, my my mom was driving. She was alone. She wasn't with us, and uh, I, I was young, so I don't. I, I wasn't in the car. I don't remember the circumstances, but whatever it was, my mom told us about it. And my mom had a choice at this particular point. She could uh, uh, potentially hit a car in front of her. Or she could turn the wheel and hit a tree. Uh, to say that the loss of the car was devastating to us was an understatement. But my mom made a choice; she wasn't going to hit that car, you know, with the chance of maybe not destroying the car. She she turned and she hit the tree. Um, turned out that the the man that she didn't hit was some big executive from a a, a big bank in Chicago, and. Uh, my mom told us the story. We, you know, we didn't know who who he was or what it was. My mom just said, "This is what happened, right?" And uh, it was Thanksgiving, and we really didn't have anything, um, or at least approaching it. And this very well dressed man came to our door with a huge Thanksgiving dinner, and he just said, "You know, thank you to my mom. Mm-hmm. Nobody came to you. nobody comes to your house right. when you're poor." And, and what St. Vincent de Paul is, is the value that you provide is more than just the food or the clothing or oh, the absolutely. bill. It's, it's recognizing the humanity of the people who, who uh, the least of our brothers and
2: sisters, if you will. Right? Exactly. I think sometimes the, uh, the most or the least fortunate feel almost, I guess, shunned that nobody will take that time. So some of the people that come to us have told us that. You know, until I found St. Vincent de Paul in your society, I had no idea that that anybody even cared. Right. So we often, when we pray many times, and some of these folks have drifted away from faith or have no faith at all, it can be a very emotional and tearful time when, they, when we reach out and grab their hands and ask them, can we, yeah. can we,
1: skip, can we yeah. pray, please? This is St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from St. Louis. Uh, no, it isn't live. I almost said it again. It, and not so live from St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, I'm your host, Peter Kroots, and we're here with Joe Willis. So Joe is a convert. Uh, I called him a baby Christian, but I think Joe might be a year or two older than <laughs> I am. Uh, but you are seeing service and you are seeing the faith through, dare I say it, new eyes, mm-hmm. right? Uh, some of us Catholics have grown up living this treasure and perhaps not appreciating it as much. So with your new eyes, what, what have you seen in, in the church that we as cradle Catholics mm-hmm. might not perhaps fully appreciate?
2: Well, that's a good question. I would think, uh, and I, am a, I do consider myself a baby Catholic, even though these eyes are 70 years old. I'll go <laughs> ahead and say that. Uh. I'm catching up. <laughs> yes. So uh, I often think sometimes, and, and, I, and it's not that I, I don't mean this in a bad way, but I, I do wish everyone could see the Catholic Church through the eyes of a convert. Yeah. Because there you realize, really truly realize, what is happening? What this is all about? The truth that it really is. I think sometimes we get caught up in our society, uh, pulled away from all the various sources and things that pull us away from the church, uh, and don't fully participate in that mass. But to really be involved in the mass and listen to what the prayers, and just try to stay in tune. It's easy to be distracted, but if you if you'll stay in tune, I think and and really put put something into your faith that a mac and heart and there's numerous ways to get involved in your faith I and one, another thing I see a lot of times in our church people drift away but it's not the church's fault yeah they didn't put anything into it they don't know what they have yes you, you have no idea there's
1: an old story of a, a family who uh, you know they grew up the father was a a, a craftsman as if, they if you will and he literally built the house And he wasn't just a craftsman with skills. He was meticulous. It was perfect. And he always used to tell his children, remember, your treasure is in your house, right? And, you know, as time goes on and as things will happen, the parents passed away. And uh, the, the children, now very much adults, were making their last visit to the house that they have sold, you know, their childhood home that their father literally built with his two hands. And um, you know they, as they're walking out, they said, "You know, remember what Dad always said: the treasure's in your house." And yeah. and we and we're, we're saying goodbye to it now. And and this guy, he stopped, and he and he said, "I need to go back in." And he walks back in, and he goes to his parents' bedroom and he looks at the ceiling. He says, this has been bugging me since we've cleaned out the house and walked through it. There was a patched ceiling, and not patched very well. And and he said, you know, dad would never do this, right? He, He was not only a craftsman, but a perfectionist. And this is a very not good patch, probably the kind of patch I would put together. So Contrary to what his brother and sisters wanted to do, he says, I'm tearing it up. So he tore open the roof at this patch. And what was there was a compartment. And in that compartment was a case. And in this case was money, jewelry, family heirlooms, old pictures, the treasure was in their house, and they never even realized that this is a convert who tells this story mm-hmm. and he says that's that's what you know lifelong Catholics sometimes don't realize it's this treasure that's been there all the time. Mm-hmm. they just have to embrace it exactly, just have to embrace it
2: yeah if i had I had another friend at church, she said one day she said, "You know I came in out remember she was uh, i really don't recall what Protestant faith it was, but she said i i I enjoyed my faith, and it was like, my faith was like I could have a snack or a candy bar or a Snicker bar, and then I get into the Catholicism, and I realize it's like a buffet. It's a smorgasbord. It's, yeah. it's never ending. It's, yeah. just, it's
1: never ending. It is. Yeah. It is. And in the few minutes we have left, you I, you said that when you started moving into the faith or moving in that direction, you started reading things and looking at the, If things. And maybe this is good for us lifelong Catholics, too. Where did you go? What books did you read? What did you find that was helpful to you and your... Um, education and growth in the faith.
2: Well, there are very various authors. I mean, I love Doctor Hahn. a lot of. No, his books, how could you not? Yeah, yeah. very helpful. Doctor Peter Kraft. Uh, Shawnee oh. had him at our our parish. Uh, so a lot of people like that. Uh, they're they're just so eloquent and and they can relate to people like me who are coming from a, a non faith situation to Catholicism. So there's a lot of resources out there. Anything that teaches me more about the church, so I can have a better understanding of our Holy Church and our sacraments and how I can participate and live life more fully through that. Uh, But those two are two of my favorite authors.
1: You mentioned Peter uh, Kreft. Kreft? Kreft? I don't ever know how to say it. (laughs) Exactly. But I remember the first time I went to hear him speak. It was over at the Newman Center at Wash U. And I um, was listening to Catholic radio as we were going along. And the – you know what? I don't even know if it was Catholic radio. Uh, It might not have been now that I think about it. But whoever was on the radio was recommending a book – by Peter Kreeft, and I thought, what? wait a minute, that's who I'm going to, to, to hear speak. And he started mentioning a book, and another one, and another one, and then I realized, look to my back seat, and I had one of his books sitting in my back seat. I didn't realize that man can write faster than most oh, of us yeah. can read. Uh, he, he, uh, at this talk, he said, uh, what, uh, what, what is the job of the lady in the church? and he leans up to the microphone and he says everything and that's not to diminish what our priests and bishops and deacons do but we are called to service we are called to exactly. be the church that's what you do as of intsion mm-hmm. uh, i think that's what you do as you as you grow in your faith so we have about a half a minute left if you if you have a word to say to someone who might be considering the catholic church who might not have a faith or might, not, might have fallen away to faith, from faith, what, what would you tell them? What word of encouragement would you have for them?
2: Just accept God's calling. It's probably a calling. Be open to it. Look into it. Research it. Mm-hmm. Uh, take an invitation by a friend, however you're hearing that, that invite, but follow up on it. It's probably, it. It is a calling probably from God. There you go.
1: And, and I'll tell you what, I, if you're on the other end of that, right, say Yes. And if you have the opportunity to make that invitation, do it. I'll tell you that I think that there are so many, there is that music, there's so many of us out there who are praying for somebody to make that invitation to some family member. You know, sometimes we as family are the worst people to evangelize our own family, but we pray for somebody else to go out there and make that invitation to say, come to Mass, or, you know, make that comment, I'm going to Mass, I'm going to Confession. We need it. Joe, the hour has slipped by. Thanks so much for joining us. Congratulations on being nominated as Catholic Man of the Year. And uh, I might remind you all out there, if you know a good man who should be nominated, consider doing that here. We do that every year. Call us at 636-447-6000, 636-447-6000, and we'll send out an invitation. And most of all, come and join us again at this time next week. Uh, We're here every week. And join us and invite a friend.
0: We'll see you soon.